our lives are just a sum of the decisions that we make. Like that's, that's all they are. I mean, like some people obviously get a head start. They might be born to a better family or better circumstance than other people. But like, it's, it's like our identities aren't our circumstances or our experiences. It's how we react to those circumstances. Welcome to the Zero Quit Podcast, where I bring you candid conversations with elite athletes, entrepreneurs, specialists, and other creatives. I'm your host, Brock Covington, and through these dialogues, you will hear powerful stories and practical advice that will help you live a more active and intentional life. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. Mr. Miller, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? If you guys don't already know, well, welcome to the podcast. You're listening to the Zero Quit Podcast. You probably know that by now if you clicked uh, to play. But I'm with the the inaugural guest. Yeah. I'm with the uh, the man of the hour, like guest on I think a maybe like a 28th episode, something like that. But we're doing round three in person. Round three. I'm glad to be here. You're yeah. hosting me in your yeah. beautiful home in Colorado Springs. Yeah. It's been a heck of a weekend. It's been good. It's been good. We've done like a little bit of everything. It's been like a uh, like a content creator or like a modern athlete's dream, yeah. right? We we ate all the best spots. We did a ice barrel we did an ultra marathon um now we're doing a podcast it's like the most like uh you know cliche alpha male thing to do so you know what else would we do you know i mean it's uh that's what we do you know it's just it's who we are at this point at this point yeah it's it's our identity (laughs) yeah so i want to kick off a little bit with uh what we just did yesterday so uh for those who don't know we just did the Ram Party Ultra Marathons. They they have a couple of different distances, and this course happens to be basically in my backyard. It's about thirty minutes from where I live, and so I, I was like, "Man, this is really convenient." Because a lot of you probably, when you've done races, they're like an hour away, and it's a pain in the butt, or or even further, you get to fly to it, and you know, it just makes it difficult with with packing, with extra money spent towards it, and all these different factors that come into play. So when you can do one 30 minutes away, still sleep in your bed the night before, it's pretty nice. So I signed up for this race a while ago, and I know we were talking about possibly doing, I was going to do Bighorn with you this this summer, didn't end up doing that, but uh, I did talk you into doing this 50K version of the 50-mile race that I signed up for. So I, uh, I'm glad I ended up doing that to you. I'm still surprised you went through with it just because you've had so many marathons coming up, but, uh, I'm glad you, uh, I talked you into it. Oh, dude. Good peer pressure. It was, I was definitely conflicted on whether or not I was going to do it because I did Boston three weeks or Boston was a month three, ago. Yeah. Three or four. Uh, yeah. It's been a full four weeks now. Uh, and then last weekend I had the OC marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, Boston was like a PR effort. So that was like a big, that took a toll for sure. Yeah. So I was, I was going a hundred percent. Uh, so I had three weeks to recover and then did OC. That one was just purely for fun. Yeah. Um, so it was fun to just enjoy that one. And then, yeah, now six days later did the 50 K. Did you try and hold any kind of like pace in that? Or were you just kind of going like maybe a tad more than a casual pace? Yeah. It was like, cause you still ran like a three twenty something. Yeah, it was right? like three eighteen. Uh, so it was yeah. like, it was more than just an easy day run. Yeah. But like, you know, when you get into a race setting, if you're any kind of competitive, if you yeah. have any kind of competitiveness in you, it's hard to not push it. Like once you get around people like that. So I, yeah. I felt it out for the first few miles, just like didn't look at my watch, just went off a feel and I was like, okay, this feels pretty good. So I think it was like seven thirty five pace average or something. So it was, what was the weather contrast from Boston, which is probably still a little chilly to California is going to be warm now. It was, it was totally different. Well, actually, I mean, the temperature was relatively the same. They were both about 50 to 55, but I mean, in California, like the sun was out the whole time. So that has an effect. Yeah. And then in Boston, it was cloudy. We got rain for like half the race. Yeah. 
and just totally different environments altogether. Yeah. I mean, Boston's yeah. Boston, so yeah. So we ended up doing this race yesterday, and it was funny because you landed Thursday, and I was telling you, hey, like there's been a ton of snow and a bunch of rain, and we haven't had like any rain in like a month, probably, you know, give or take. We don't. We, it's like it's pretty much sunny every day here, and we get a few, you know, rain days. And obviously, during the winter, we get some snow, but we had like flood type of raining. The past few days and uh sure enough we got an email like the night i think you came in they were like changing the course and everything like that so the course was the same it's just we were supposed to go basically like 18 miles out i would loop the lake i think you would just reach the lake for the 50k mm-hmm. version and then come back down the mountain so it was get all the elevation all the all the incline done in the first you know 14 18 miles of it and then ride the downhill so i was feeling pretty confident about it because i was like man i i've trained this course for like eight weeks now every thursday i do my long run there i know it like the back of my hand which gave me a lot of comfort probably more ease into it than i should have had like i still gotta respect the distance and the challenge for what it was but yeah so but then like i just mentioned they, they changed the course essentially they just cut us off a little bit earlier now what that did though made it a little harder in my mind because my race turned into 10 miles out, 10 down, twice. So you basically do like one lap, 10 up, 10 down. Second lap, same deal. Third lap, you go like four miles out and then back and ended up being like just under 50 miles. And then yours was similar, except instead of doing a full second lap, you stopped basically like halfway mm-hmm. up, turn around, finish your like 31 miles. Yeah, I, I feel like mentally that course change made it harder because you had to like you you saw more of the course so it got a little bit repetitive uh and like i feel like it's just easier mentally from the original course where i was like all the way out i'm a big all the out, way up out and out or out and back it's guy. just easier mentally to chunk it's easier it up. mentally to be like okay all i gotta do is make it back now yeah. instead of once you get back to the finish line you don't want to go back out yeah like when i came back the funny thing because we have that third lab when I came back, I, I don't know if you remember this. The guy was handing me a medal, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "No, dude, I'm not done yet. I got I ten had, more miles. <laughs> I got ten more miles." And I was like, "I wish, you know." So it just really sucked. And when I was heading back out, I was like, "Man, I, I didn't actually think I should have done it, but I was like, it would have been nice to just be like, <laughs> thanks for the medal and just be done." Strava would have known. Though. Yeah, yeah, but it's just tough mentally to go like back out and back out and. It's yeah. just, yeah, and then, you know, handling on more incline on your legs is pretty tough, but I'll give a quick synopsis about how my race went, and then mm-hmm. I'd love to hear yours. I mean, we basically shared the first 25 miles together, but the first lap that we did, uh, you know, you kind of trusted my experience with it because I, I knew generally like what sections we should probably hike and which ones we should run because I know what's coming up and what's around the corner. So we did like, you know, some one or run, walk, hike, walk, or hike, run, whatever you want to call it, um, up the first 10 miles. And then coming down, we pretty much ran all 10 miles. Um, I think, you know, besides stopping at an aid station or, or like having a gel or a pee break or something like that, zoomed down the mountain and um, ended up, I think when we entered the aid station, so we had like 20 miles, like a 339 mm-hmm. was like our total thing. It was just under four hours, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we spent a little bit of time at that aid station just because get some food, bathroom breaks, and so forth, and got back out there. But around that time, I started to trend a little bit downwards. My body didn't feel too bad at all. Like, my muscles weren't sore. I wasn't really too fatigued. But as I explained to you a ton, like, after the race, my lungs 
we're just getting really tired. And this is something I've experienced in other ultras, specifically my last 50K I did three weeks ago, where it just feels like my lungs aren't operating at 100%. They're operating like 50 or 60% where, you know, I'm just not getting as much oxygen in. If I try and take a full breath, I kind of get that like cough reflex. And anytime I would try and run longer than maybe like a half mile in a row, my heart rate would just get up so fast and I would just get really like winded and tired. You think it's the elevation? Well, the, you know, you, you've referenced it a couple of times. We talked about it. It doesn't feel like a thinness elevation, like, oh, the air feels real thin. Because obviously I live here, I live at this elevation, and I, I know the experience of like what that altitude mm-hmm. difference feels like. It doesn't feel that way. It really just feels like an internal, like my lungs are just tired. And it typically has kicked in around like six, seven hours of physical activity. So like once I pass that, you know, 30 mile or get close to that 30 mile threshold and I'm like six, seven hours into a race, that's when it tends to be like, oh, my lungs are, they're getting yeah. there. But that ended up causing me to hike most of it. So you were kind of taking the lead a bit on that second lap. And uh, luckily I didn't hold you too bad because about halfway, you know, you, you end up turning around anyway for your course. But um, yeah, eventually I got up to the top of the mountain. I was just telling myself like, hey, I'm hiking more of this than I would like to. But this is only my second, you know, in the last long lap I have to do here. Let me just get to the top. And as long as I can run downhill for most of it, I'll make up time. I'll do good. And then I just have like 10 miles. And uh, that actually played out pretty well. I was, you know, as people were passing, I was, you know, they do the whole good job thing. And I, yeah. I, all the people running downhill, I'd say something funny like, man, I'm jealous of you. Or I'd be like, man, the downhill seems pretty nice, you know. And uh, I was like, I should try some of that. And eventually was able to try it, came down the mountain, was able to run probably like 80% of it. So my lungs still weren't feeling great, but they didn't feel too bad on the downhill. So I was able to run most of that, got to the bottom. uh, And this is where I last saw you and my wife, Maddie. And I think both of you said I I like looked pretty good. I was like 40 miles in, didn't feel too bad. Lungs were still bothering me, but I was like, you know, 10 miles left. As long as again, as long as I can run that downhill four miles back, I'll do pretty good. But uh, this is where I, my lungs kind of just pooped out. The last 10 miles were extremely miserable. <laughs> they, uh, again, my body, my muscles weren't too bad, but it was just my lungs were not allowing me to run any of it. And even the incline walks hurt way worse than running downhill. Mm-hmm. So it's like, think of that, how walking up an incline hurts way more than just running downhill. So it was just kind of strange in that way. But so I walked up basically for the four miles, got to that last aid station, which was the turnaround for the 50 miler on that last lap came down, wasn't able to run much of it, um, but eventually saw you around like 0.8 miles maybe away from the finish. Mm-hmm. And I got a text from my wife that you know kind of picked up my spirits. It was like, hey, you're real close to finishing sub 11 hours, get this done. And uh, I don't know, kind of just like got a little surge of energy. I was like, all right, we're here. This is the last stretch, finish up. You can get your rest soon enough, get your ice cream and uh, empowered through. So that, that's like a, a rough recap of the race, but um. How how did how did you experience it, and specifically kind of that last part when you turned around? I know you turned on the jets. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, no, I mean you kind of went through the first twenty five miles. It was pretty. It was super nice to have you. Like kind yeah. of. All right, we should walk this part because there's like a little bit flatter part coming up, yeah. so we can run. Uh, and just like you knowing. There's the plenty course. of people that didn't know. <laughs> yeah, and then eventually passed those people yeah. later on, probably because yeah. they they ran at the wrong parts or ran a little bit too much on the incline because it was. I mean, the first 10 miles were steady, like, what, like 10% grade, basically? It's funny. Yeah, none of it is so steep that you need poles, really, or that you're really, like, pushing your knees. And yeah. none of it's 
you know, really bad. It's just consistent. There's yeah. no flats really, and there's no declines. It's just up yeah. for ten miles, like you said, around like an eight to twelve percent grade. The nice thing about that course, though, was it it wasn't technical at all. Like it yeah. was just on that like just dirt road, wide dirt basically. Path. So yeah, it was like, like you didn't really road. have to think too much. You could just kind of put your head down and just grind. Yeah. So that made it a lot easier. Again, mentally, I think made it easier. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the first twenty five miles uh, up until we split, like I felt pretty good. I felt similar to how I felt like you know mile 20 25 of a marathon mm-hmm. and like we kind of talked about it while we were out there running uh, and i experienced this when i did bighorn 50 last year mm-hmm. uh but there comes a point it's typically around like the two hour to three hour mark where like your legs get the lactic lactic yeah. acid in there like they feel kind of like bricks they're fatigued your whole body yeah. is like starting to feel it but for me at least in my experience as soon as that starts to set in say it's like a, a six or seven out of ten yeah on, on the pain scale like from there to the end of the race, it never really gets worse for me. Like just settles in. It just settles in, yeah. and then it persists at that same level. And so, that's something I've come to realize with these these longer events. Like anything, you know, more than like a half marathon or marathon is like once that pain sets in, it's there. So then it becomes a game of how long can you endure that yeah. same pain? Because it, I think if you know, it's not really going to get much worse. It's just yeah. it's just gonna it's gonna be there. And the more races you do, whether they're marathons or ultras, you start to get a feel of these common themes that happen right and you start to recognize how you should personally react and what you should expect like for example you know in ultras there's these waves of feeling amazing you know like we were coming down the mountain crushing it cruising ripping like you know sub nine you know minute per mile paces but then i know there's going to be down patches and when i get in those down patches at that moment i think oh it's all downhill from here like it's just going to get worse and worse but I have the memory to know, no, one, it's just going to kind of stay like this. And two, you're going to have another up, you know, mm-hmm. moment. You're, you're going to have another moment where you kind of get a surge of energy, feel better and things like that. So it's just having that understanding of the different phases that occur within a race gives you a lot of confidence. And especially when you're in those dark moments like, hey, Things will get better, although they seem like, yeah. you know, the end, things will get better. So that was a little bit of me, too. Like, again, I knew I was like, OK, well, eventually I, I just I try and just keep it simple and be like, you know, look, it's a matter of time. As long as I just keep pe- putting my feet one foot in front of the other, even if it's slow, I'll eventually get to the finish line. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just a little bit of that mindset and knowing like, well, I'm not going to quit. So all I can do is just keep moving forward and yeah. uh, get it done. Yeah, it's that relentless forward progress. Is- yeah is uh the consist or that's the key to yeah. these races and uh i mean i feel like i got like a good kick of energy when we were going back up the mountain yeah and that's where like i started to, i was just like got into a groove with the you power felt good. i felt man <laughs> i felt good but i think the reason i felt so good is because i knew i was like okay i only have a couple miles yeah left of climbing i can get to this yeah. 25 mile mark and then it's just all downhill so that was like a good boost but i think that shows you how mental all this stuff yeah, is, is it's like, very mental you gotta you you have to visualize and think about these checkpoints and yours was let me get to this little turnaround and then i can just zoom down and mine was at that around that time let me get to the top of the mountain and then i can turn down and like you know turn on the jets so you have to break into these little milestones unfortunately because of the way that the re the course was redone there's a lot of little checkpoints because it was like here to here to here then back down you know and all that one one thing i do want to bring up i just think about as we were talking about it was the difference of running 
a race solo versus with someone. I was just going to talk about that. Yeah, because I've never, so I've never had someone else running the race with me. You know, you meet some people along the way out there, and you, you know, you share some miles with people. But uh, I thought that was really helpful yesterday, just to have uh, someone to kind of, I don't know, like again, we talked about it, like pick me up when I'm, you know, moving a little slower, and you know, I don't know if I've picked you up any slow moments, but you know, giving you some. Uh, cues on hey let's walk this section maybe slowing you down so that you have more energy later mm-hmm. is, a, is a you know a help in that way but I, I definitely enjoyed it and it helped pass the time better made those first 25 yeah. miles go a lot faster yeah i think uh i'm i'm glad we got to share miles together and it definitely made it go by faster because you're kind of just distracted yeah it's similar like listening to music or something you kind of can yeah. remove yourself and not think about how bad your legs hurt or whatever but yeah. i'm also glad that it came to a point where we were able to split yeah and be on our own <laughs> just because yeah like you don't really sign up for these things expecting to feel good. Yeah. Like, like you yeah. want to get something out of it and you want to grow. And you want to have those solitude moments, yeah, you yeah. know, the solitary moments where you can kind of just feel, feel the suffering, feel the moment, the good and the bad. And uh, you, you do need those, you know, alone moments. Yeah. That was like the last five miles going down for yeah. me. I was like, got into like a good groove and that's what you realize, like I started to think about how bad my legs hurt and how, how bad everything hurt, <clears throat> but yeah. you can kind of get in that little pain cave, which you, it's harder to get there when you're with somebody. I feel yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's my experience at least. So yeah, yeah it's a good balance of both. It's interesting. Cause I have seen, I'm sure you have on, on your, maybe in Bighorn, uh, you know, I see some people that'll run something together or it's them and their friend, or sometimes it's a spouse. And, uh, yeah, I've never, I don't know. I just wondered how that dynamic worked. Especially if, you know, God forbid, I mean, I was slowing down, but, you know, God forbid I was like checking out and I was having a really hard time and you were like, gosh, like yeah. these guys are really dragging me down like an anchor, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want to be that either. Um, I, at that point, I was kind of trying to do like the, the carrot and the stick with you. I was yeah. like, okay, maybe use it as, as a carrot, like yeah. to, to lead a little you bit. You definitely got me running some extra sections that uh, I wasn't. And uh, yeah, it, it, it worked out. It worked out for the best, but um. Yeah, no, it was a good race overall. Good weather, enjoyed it. Oh, the weather was got a lot out absolutely of it. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, but it is one of those things where you know it, maybe this is something we can riff off too a little bit is the time commitment with a lot of these races, whether it is marathons or anything. It's just such a big. It's not just you know oh I'm committing a whole day and you know some weeks training for this, but like each workout, it's a big it's a big sacrifice, especially if you have other work obligations, family obligations. I know that was some of the questions we got related to was how do you balance all this stuff? And the truth is like, you just kind of make it up as you go. You squeeze time in when you can, you know, if you, if you have to work a nine to five job or some kind of schedule that's somewhat close to that and you have family time in the evening, you might have to just get up really early and crank out a 90 minute run fasted or, or with not much in the tank. And you just kind of squeeze stuff around your schedule. And that's what I've had to do a good bit. I'm sure you've had to do that a good bit. And it's tough with endurance specifically because lifting progressive overload looks like heavier weight, more reps, more sets. And, but the workout's still like an hour, hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Endurance, you do have to get those long runs longer and those speed workouts longer, the tempo runs start to get lengthened. The mileage gets higher, the hours per week gets longer. So it just, it becomes a huge, you know, thing to take on. Yeah, if it's a priority to you, I think no matter what it is, whether it's running or lifting or your work or your kids, whatever, if it if it really is a priority, like you'll find a way to, yeah. to make it happen no matter what. And uh that's the thing with these, like running used to be such a grind, like it was a thing I'd have to really talk myself into doing every mm-hmm. single time I went out for a run. And then now it's like I, I look forward to it almost. Yeah. Um but so it's it's just become like a non negotiable too. Like and that's when 
whether it's you sign up for like a 5k or a mm-hmm. hundred miler, once you commit to something, I feel like you're gonna, most of the time, like you're, you're, you're going to put in the work yeah. and the steps to get there because you know, especially if you've failed at something before, yeah, you know you how that fail again. Like it's, yeah. it's in my opinion, it's worse to fail than it is to like, uh, like I'd rather, uh, or what is that saying of like, it's hate it, to fail rather than love to win. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, yeah, like even if you miss a goal time by a little bit or something, like I'd rather do that than just like completely bonk, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I, but one one thing I've I've thought about as this race has come closer is the idea of how important it is to kind of set these goals. Not even if you want to set these goals. Like what I mean by that is you almost need these races to hold you accountable because otherwise. I wouldn't be running eight hour weeks, yeah. you know, like even like right now, I, I probably am going to do another ultra in the fall, but right now <laughs> I don't have anything on the books. And so for that reason, like you said, why do I need to go run six miles yeah. or why do I need to go out on a two hour long run? Like I don't have that reason, but when you, when you sign up for something, even if you're not, you know, super stoked about it, I mean, obviously you want to sign up for things you're stoked about and there's, there's benefit to it, but when you set these goals for yourself or these checkpoints, it doesn't even have to be an official race. It could just be something you do personally, a fun adventure. You do a fun hike or something like that. But when you set these, you do have to do the work so that when that day comes, you don't bonk, you don't mm-hmm. shit the bed. You know, it's something I talked about a little bit on a few podcasts ago with uh, bodybuilding is one of those sports where if you don't do the work, you have to still get on stage on that day and you're going to look like shit. Like if you slacked off on your diet, you skipped on the cardio, you're going to look tubby on there and you're going to be in front of everybody with all those lights on you in a, in a thong, you know, or, 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 you know, short compressions and you're, you're going to have to show your physique. Mm-hmm. So there's that pressure, right? Like I don't, I don't want to go out there yesterday and can be completely out of shape and then people will be like, what happened? Brock DNF'd, you know? And it's like, well, I didn't do the work, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just nice to have that kind of accountability of a certain deadline, date, goal, race, meet, whatever, just to kind of keep you pushing yourself. Because otherwise, it's easy to be like, let me just do enough, stay yeah. stagnant. You know, that's where I think these races can get really addicting too. And like, yeah. you can just keep signing up for race after race. Yeah, uh, is like, you you kind of need the accountability. And mm-hmm. but then once you have that race set, even if it's like six months down the road, then it's like. Every single day, you still got to show up and, and put in the work. But going back to like the time commitment and mm-hmm. the, like trying to make time for things, like I think something always has to give in some regard. Yeah. And hopefully it's, you know, the, the bad habits like watching TV or yeah. spending too much time on your phone or like, you know, just spend too much time not being productive. Uh-huh. And so it's like now I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched TV. Like sat yeah. down and watched a Netflix series. Like it's, been, I was talking to you last night how like yeah. the only sport I keep up with is MMA and, the good and bad thing is it's only one night a week and it's sometimes not even weekly and it's Saturday night. It's like usually later in the day. So even on that day, I'm still working in that morning. So the idea is what I'm getting at is, yeah, I don't, I don't watch TV. I don't do these different things. It's not just about me, but just for an example, a lot of people, and I'm sure we could still find time we waste in our day scrolling on reels or something like you get caught up in it. But so many people act like, you know, it's easy for us because we had, you know, either, you know, work from home or entrepreneurs, we can make our schedule. Okay, it helps. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of times where people just do not recognize or not honest with themselves about all the time they waste. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you talk to someone, they're like, oh, yeah, we watch, we're watching these three different shows right yeah. now. And I'm like, you have time to watch three shows? Like Maddie and I, because she works later, 
we watch like two episodes a week, you know, of a show or two different shows. And it's it's hard to even fit that in sometimes because things come up, appointments come up, mm-hmm. you know, and so forth. And so you just have to be honest, like, what can I cut out? Like, is this race and my health more important to me than this Netflix show? Yeah. Is my awareness of current pop culture events or this late night playoff basketball game more important than me getting in eight hours of sleep or, or, or getting up early to do this workout or fit this in. So you really just have to be honest with yourself about the time you're wasting, take steps to cut out those things and, you know, deal with it and, and obviously replace that time with the effective things. And then when these, you know, races happen and we, we go past them, like I'm sure you're going to get home and this week I'm not going to run really, but maybe one or two days, I have all this now free time yeah. <laughs> that I'm like, man, you know, but I'm going to try and stop myself from stuffing it with bullshit, you mm-hmm. know, and actually still keep it productive time, whether that be like reading or more work or something like that. But uh, it's tough. I think one of my biggest pet peeves is when people say they don't have time for something. Yeah. Like, like oh, I would work out, but I just don't have time. You know what's the one that people say? I can't stand that. It's, they go like, you know, you say, oh, everyone has 24 hours in a day. Yeah. And they go, well, not really, because <laughs> I have these kids and you take them to daycare. And it's like, it's like one objectively no we all do have 24 hours a day Mm -hmm. but yes you have different obligations some of them you choose some of them you don't right like you know your kids do have to do these things you didn't choose for them to have these you know rec sports or whatever you have to drop them off like these things happen but there's always like a way to work around it i just hate the idea and the mindset of because something is harder to do i'm just not going to try and do it at all yeah you know and you get that all the time with you know oh i'm i can't lose weight because i'm older my metabolism is slow it's like just because you're older, it's harder to lose weight. Doesn't mean you can't do it. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't do the harder work to achieve the result. Yeah, I think uh, going off of the choices you said, you know, you choose to do things. Yeah, I've, that's something I've really started to understand lately. Is like our lives are just a sum of the decisions that we make. Yeah, like that's that's all they are. I mean, like some people obviously get a head start. They might be born into a better family or mm-hmm. better circumstance than other people, but like. It's it's like our identities aren't our circumstances or our experiences. It's how we react to those circumstances yeah. and yeah. things that happen to us. And like you could, you know, like David Goggins, for example, like absolute shit childhood, all this stuff. And then, but he took it and he flipped it and turned yeah. it into like a successful life. And like so many people, there's so many stories of that. People either, either view themselves as a victim of their circumstances or a master of their actions, you know, mm-hmm. like a matter or they a master of their own life and their decisions and they feel like they're in self, you know, have that control over themselves. Yeah. It's easy to blame like your parents or your friends or your the hometown you grew yeah. up in, whatever. And it's not to say that but, those don't have an impact, right. but it's just, they aren't the final determinant, you know, mm-hmm. factor. Yep. Like you, you can still make doing, we see these cases all the time and yeah, it's just, we could go on all the time, but it's just typically the people that complain about that or will comment on, you know, one of our posts or something like that. Mm-hmm. You go to their situation. They're not in the most dire, you know, crazy circumstance they can't carve themselves out of. Usually it's it's self-defeating behavior and self-defeating choices that they've made. And they're just shifting that frustration and that blame on social media, which you see all the time. Like what is commenting on my page or mm-hmm. criticizing someone else's lifestyle do for you? Yeah. And I think so much of it, too, is just the people that you spend time with the people that you surround yeah. yourself with which again is a choice like mm-hmm. i think people like I, I was like this in high school i was like oh these are my friends and they'll always be my yeah. friends like i i didn't make this choice it just kind of happened but yeah. no it's like you choose to text them back you choose mm-hmm. to to call them or answer their call or go hang out with them yeah. and like everything for the most part is just a choice and like the, we have the power 
make those decisions and, and dictate whatever we want our lives to look like. Yeah. To kind of round out this podcast, I do want to bring up and answer some of the questions that we got last night on Instagram. We put up a little story just to kind of mix things up, answer some questions and so forth. So I'll kick us off with one of these that I got. Um, and it is, you know, the idea of if you don't live near the mountains or mm. trails, which is a little bit of kind of what you experience, you have some trails local, but you don't have much elevation. How do you train for an ultra marathon when you don't have some of those modalities? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so yeah, in Texas, obviously very flat. We do have some single track trails so you can get some trail experience. So like mm-hmm. if you have any kind of trails, no matter the elevation, I think. Use them, right? Getting on the trails, yeah, just because it's it's obviously very different from road running. Um, and the other thing I would recommend, we were talking about this during the race yesterday, was uh, the incline treadmill versus mm-hmm. the Stairmaster. And I think... We both agreed that the incline treadmill has a has a better simulation of uphill yeah. hiking, uh, and I, I know what a lot of people do is they'll they'll do like a treadmill workout where they'll like run flat for you know to kind of simulate the flats and downhills. Mm-hmm. They'll run flat for like five ten minutes and then they'll do like five minutes of incline walking and you can kind mm-hmm. of just do intervals of that. Uh, I actually didn't do any of that for this race just because I was like in marathon mode. Um, but now I have another fifty miler and five weeks. So I'm probably going to do a little bit more of that kind of stuff. I'd say, yeah, you want to look at specificity. And and again, if you don't have, if you have trails close by, use them when you can, because again, getting used to the dirt, breaking in your trail shoes, getting used to hopping over, you know, some roots and rocks. I think that's very valuable. But as far as the elevation and prepping for that, I think utilizing the treadmill, like we talked about, incline treadmill is going to be a lot more, uh, better way to simulate walking up an incline rather than Stairmaster, you're not really doing that same motion. Your body isn't working that same motion. You're working those same muscles, but not in the same kind of motor patterns that you are when you're regularly hiking up an uh, uphill. So what I would do is look at the course that you're running, figure out how much elevation you're getting per mile. And then on the treadmill, you kind of want to try and simulate that. So let's say per mile, you're getting 300 feet of elevation. So try and set it up to where maybe you run for two minutes, then you're getting in like 200 feet, uh, you know, at a 10% grade. Then you run flat again. You finish off that. So you're basically trying to simulate how much elevation you're going to be feeling, what those grades look like, uh, all kind of at the same time within the same run on a treadmill. And that's, you know, there are people that have trained for things like Leadville or these different trail races purely on treadmills. Mm-hmm. It's not ideal, but uh, that's an important thing. And at the end of the day, just having great fitness will prepare you you haven't been on a lot of elevation we just did you know i think you still got what four thousand and some change Mm -hmm. and you were fine and that's just because you have great fitness and conditioning you've worked your body up to that so the first and foremost thing is just be very fit and then as far as preparing your muscles for it um you know some some strength training helps but specifically uh incline treadmill i think one thing to add to uh which i don't have a good answer for it but like to actually acclimate yourself to that higher elevation as far as i know there's not a lot you can do i've seen people yeah. wear the masks and stuff like I that i think the best thing to do it. is like you know when people try and sleep in some type of chamber yeah but even that it's i wouldn't stress it too much yeah if you can get out there earlier to acclimate do it but it is what it is i believe it takes a couple of weeks so you can't show up like yeah. five days before and expect yeah. to acclimate it'd probably take a full week yeah 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 that's a tough one though let me hit, hit, yeah, hit a what question questions you got uh how you two met well, I was at a coffee <laughs> shop, and Jeremy's liked my hair. Now, we uh, met basically through Instagram, so I actually answered this to somebody asked me, I think, the other day. Technically, we just met about two days ago. 
Yeah, in person, we just met two days ago, which it's always fun meeting people. You know, you've communicated with back and forth for like a year and never met them in person. So it was, I told you it was a little bit like a catfish moment. Like, yeah. you know, you know, is it going to be different how I how I perceive them? But uh, no, the story is I, I'm pretty sure that I, I just found your documentary mm. on YouTube, Chasing 400. I think it had been out for maybe a month or two at the time. Mm. And I was like, man, this is like really well made. I love these ultra documentaries. And um. I commented, and then I found your Instagram and messaged you, and you know, because I, with my editing background and filmmaking, not not experience, but I understand the process through the work that I do. I was like, man, you know, massive props. You made a really good job. Like this was awesome. Blah blah blah. Actually, I don't even remember this. <laughs> yeah, but I followed you. You followed me back. I think we had a little small exchange, and then um later when it came time to start my podcast mm-hmm. back in last July, I'd moved out to Colorado. I was like, I'd love to have you on, ask you about the film, the other things you're doing and so forth. I think at the time you were preparing to uh, run a sub three. I think that was for the Oregon Marathon and so forth. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how like we kind of met originally. And then I think we just got closer the last like four or five months and different projects we're working on that we'll, we'll announce in the future. Mm. But um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of just, again, like, I mean, and obviously like to get your take on it but just meeting like-minded people and the biggest thing with me because i i'm sure you're this way too I, i've met a lot of people through instagram instagram in real per or in real life in denver and all these things like that and the biggest thing is i just want to meet like real genuine people a lot of people can put up a front or put up a personality or act way more energetic or way funnier on instagram then you meet them in person and they're a little self-absorbed or they're on their phone all the time or they're a little awkward and just meeting someone and having like instant chemistry and being able to talk about things beyond like singular topics, having more common interests makes it really easy to just resonate with somebody and, and kind yeah. of grow a, a relationship that way. Yeah. I think uh, that's something I really try to be conscious of personally of like now that I've got, you know, people following me on Instagram mm-hmm. or whatever. And then now I'm meeting more and more of them in person. Like that's the worst case scenario is like mm-hmm. they expect something from the person that you seem to be on the internet and then you're just totally different in person. Mm -hmm. And so I really try to be conscious of that to like not oversell myself online Mm -hmm. and then not, you know, underplay it in person and just Mm -hmm. be myself as much as I can, uh, no matter what I'm doing or where I'm at. Um, yeah, I definitely try to be conscious of that. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, internet friends. I mean, that's the power of the internet now is like we live, you know, thousands of miles away from each other, Mm -hmm. however far it is from Texas to Colorado. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we've, I feel like I've known you for like, years basically mm-hmm. because like, because yeah. of voice messages and video calls and whatnot and now like when we meet up in person for the first time it's like there's not that weird like kind of yeah, ice breaking just thing picks yeah. up yeah kind of immediately and that is the power of you know i feel like there's levels to it like a few comments is one thing a few dms you kind of get to know some a little bit better uh voice messages is great you're <laughs> yeah. a big voice message guy i mean i like him a lot too I'll rip the voice and messages. then um you know th- you start having some google meets or, or podcasts or yeah. or uh you know facetimes things like that you yeah you really get to know someone on a deeper level and, and so forth you know yeah should we hit another question go for it um let's see how do you prevent or treat foot blisters this was something uh, you ever dealt with those i haven't dealt with them uh much. not really more so like my toes will just get wrecked from like crammed into the front of shoes um but yesterday i actually tested out the it was like the exoskin toe socks i've been talking about them all weekend because i I, i'm a big fan of them now especially after yesterday uh but i had a friend justin kinner he's the guy that we did the documentary on a couple years ago but he recommended the the exoskin wool toe socks 
Because after my 50 miler last year, I was like, I got to figure out my foot situation for these ultras. And so that my feet felt fantastic. Like they had zero issues yesterday. So the toe socks with, um, I put chafe cream, like sports yeah. shield all over my toes and zero issues. Yeah, what there. I've heard is, uh, yeah, any kind of, anytime you can kind of lube up your toes helps a lot with any kind of friction and just trying to prevent. I think the biggest thing is preventative measures, right? So try and stop them before they can, they can have some, you know, good fitting shoes, uh, wearing socks that aren't too, you know, are going to create irritation, uh, utilizing again, any kind of, uh, nut butter or lube or whatever. And then, uh, yeah. And then if you do have issues, I think there's different, you know, athletic tapes you can, you know, use to try and help mm. prevent them from being painful. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Keeping your feet healthy. That's like one of the biggest challenges to ultra. So yeah. if you can get that figured out, that's a, that's a win. Um, here's a good one. What is your advice to new runners? Don't mean to answer this one or you? You go for it. Okay. New advice or advice to new runners. Uh, two things is be consistent and be patient. Mm-hmm. I think that I mean, 99% of running injuries typically come from overuse, Mm -hmm. and that's probably the biggest hurdle that new runners have to overcome is preventing those injuries. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I went through all this, so I can speak from experience. Is like you you can't look at somebody who's been running for five or 10 years and be like, oh, they're running 50, 60 miles a week. I I can go out and do that. Like you have to start at like 10 miles a week for Mm -hmm. a couple months even and then slowly work up to like 15 miles a week and then 20 and just do it very, very slowly. And that's where the, the patience comes in. But then also the consistency and knowing that it's a long game. Like it takes years Mm -hmm. and years of like a lot of zone two training, a lot of time spent on your feet because the way I look at running, it's a, it's a high impact single leg activity. And when else throughout your life, are you ever doing a high impact Mm -hmm. single leg activity? And so people, they're like 30 years old. They never really ran before. And they just go out and try and run 30 miles a week. Like, of course you're going to get injured. Mm -hmm. So um, if you can get through like the first year of that and just be patient with it, then that's where you can start building up, I think, and, and just give your body time to, to work into it. Yeah, my two points would be start slow, and I mean both kind of how you mentioned slowly working up the mileage, but then also you, a lot of people, myself included, they come from not running at all, really, and they view running as this thing that just is like suffering, it's awful, and it can be that way, but your easy run should be casual. You should be able to kind of have a talking pace and you know, it, not every run should be hard and, and really difficult. I mean, yeah, you're still moving your legs, you're still sweating. But uh, basically what I'm getting at is, you know, a lot of the running time you spent shouldn't be that strenuous. It should be boring. Yeah. And then the other thing is to not compare yourself too much. Don't look at other people's Strava splits and different people's paces and be like, you know, I want to run that now or I can run that. And, you know, yeah, don't worry about your comparison because one person's progress within a year it's going to be very different than yours. You know, I look at some people and I'm like, man, I mean, even Pierce, right? He just started running ultras. He's already running like a bunch of hundreds. Mm-hmm. And some people have a much better uh, ability to adapt to some of this training a lot faster. And then also a lot of people have, you know, track or cross country or different endurance sports, soccer backgrounds that allow, you know, they, they have this base built. And if you're like me and you have no endurance base built or just genetically, you just might not adapt as much or you're not following the same program. There's a lot of factors. You can't expect the exact same result at the exact same time. So it's important to keep that in mind. Yeah, beautiful. Um, who can bench more after a race? I think before and after would be me. Yeah, yeah but, I'll give that one to but you. But that's not that fair. I have like four years of lifting on you. Okay, I'll give that one to you. Um, let's see. What would you tell someone who wants to get into ultra running a newbie to marathons as somebody who's a newbie to marathons? Oh. 
similar points, I feel like, of like just kind of do everything in increments, like maybe start with a half marathon and then I'd move up s- yeah. to a marathon. I'd say the one thing that comes to my mind is just recognize it's like a different sport Yeah. because it's going to involve as much as, you know, we, we're trying to joke about people. You get the smart asses that say, oh, it's just a bunch of walking. Yeah. But <laughs> when you enter a trail race rather than a road race, the elevation, the distance, all these factors, unless you're elite, you're not going to run 50 miles straight. Yeah. You're not going to run even like 30 miles straight. Like you're going to have sections where you hike and sections where you might, you know, take a little walk break. You have these aid stations. It's very different where road racing is kind of go start to yeah. finish. Uh, you're not really stopping for anything. You're ideally just moving. And, uh, it, you know, so recognize that you might have to wear a pack. You might have to have these different flasks and different elements of food. So just recognize the different factors. There's obviously a lot of overlap. Uh, there's more overlap than not, but just recognize those things. Yeah, I think that they're definitely two different sports. They require different mindsets. Uh, I feel like road running is way more about your time and paces and yeah. all these different things. And then trail running is obviously more about just finishing most of the time, yeah, of time and, yeah. and really just enjoying it. I find trail running is a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, but road running kind of scratches that like competitive itch that you yeah. get because it's fun to go fast at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, running on the road where it's relatively flat, you're kind of doing the same movements and the same muscle groups repetitively so just totally different sports in general um so just kind of going into it that mindset yeah um let's see let's see um we got a good one okay okay well going into a sauna improves your running i mean we're not scientists on this uh no (laughs) but i i I don't know directly but there is a cardio effect yeah one thing i will say is uh Shout out to Jason Coop. He's a uh, ultra running coach. He's actually in Colorado Springs as well. But he has a great book and a great podcast that touches on sauna with running as far as acclimation. So a lot of people, uh, you know, are worried trying to go into bad water, a really hot race. And they're like, how do I acclimate for that heat? How do I get used to that heat? And there are some different protocols you can do at like a commercial gym that has a sauna uh, some certain times a day where as long as you're just getting in, I think like, you know, a couple times a week, like 10, 15 minutes in the sauna, you can kind of start to prepare those uh, reactions with your body to that heat. You know, it's going to be way more effective than trying to do. I don't know if you've heard some of the crazy stories people do with bad water, but they go in their like yeah. room, they get the dryer on, they get heat fans and everything while they're on a treadmill and Yikes. wear sweatshirts and all these things to try and feel real hot. But uh, anyway, that's Maybe the only reference I'll mention on that question. Yeah, the sauna, I think it's more of like a cellular level where you can kind of shift that. I was listening to Huberman talk about it. Yeah. Where like you can, it actually happens relatively quickly with your nervous system. Mm-hmm. That's what you're changing the most. And your body can actually acclimate pretty quickly to yeah. that. I don't remember the exact number. I think it was within like a couple of weeks, actually. Yeah. Um, but the other thing too, I think it was Dr. Rhonda Patrick. I heard her talk about this where uh, 20 minutes in the sauna is equivalent to 20 minutes on a stationary bike mm-hmm. because it elevates your heart rate. So like you get the same... It's like mm. low zone two, high zone one aerobic okay. effect sense, just yeah. by sitting there because it spikes your heart rate. Over time, that's probably going to not have as big of an effect. Yeah. But um, yeah, I love the sauna. I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. Uh, should you like two more questions? Yeah. Two, All two. right. How did you run an ultra six days after a marathon? It's only for you. This is for me. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, a couple years ago, I never would have thought I could do that. Um, but again, just through the, the consistency and the patience of consistently training and like doing your body's adapted like back-to-back long runs like uh yeah you know like one weekend i'll do like 20 miles next weekend i'll have like 18 or something and so yeah and i think i think something that 
I want to underscore here too is nutrition and sleep. You know, mm -hmm. you really doubt in your sleep. You know, after those races, so you know you get six days in between the races, and and you really, I mean, you know, I see you pounding coconut water and and whole yeah. foods and high protein, and you know, as long as you're taking those fact, those factors are way more important than a cold plunge. Way yeah. more important than a sauna. Yeah, is getting in the right diet both for fueling and recovery purposes, and you know, also sleep is like the number one. Yeah. The biggest thing, like even this morning, like anytime I have a race or a, yeah. a big workout of any kind, I'll try and sleep. I'll just let sleep my body in. go as long as possible. So I think yeah. last night I got like over eight and a half hours Yeah. Uh, while you're up at like 5 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'm a little stupid. That's the problem. But uh, no, I think, I mean, sleep more than anything, I think is the most important thing for recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. This one, this is for both of us. All right. 100K or 100 miler anytime in the future. It'd be 100K before it'd be 100 miler. I can tell you, you that much. You I think 100K is what 62. Yeah. My my only my the my only thing holding me back from wanting to do like anything longer right now is I need to see my lungs hold up better on 50 miles. Because mm. so far I've done 250 miles and I finished, and this one I shaved off like three and a half hours from my last time, but I just need to see myself have a stronger finish. Yeah. Could I? make it through another 12 yeah probably but i just i need to see more for myself before i agree yeah. to something like that Man, I, that was basically the same answer i told pierce when he asked me he's like why haven't you done 100 yet and yeah. I'm like i want to finish a 50 or 100k and feel better and feel okay because after my 50 last year i yeah i could barely walk like i could barely move but we were kind of talking about it yesterday like once you commit to something like say you commit to a hundred miler and you have it in your head okay tomorrow i'm running a hundred miles or like yeah. all during your training block i'm running a hundred miles it's like a mental shift that happens mm -hmm. to where like you're out there during the race during the hundred miler you hit mile 50 you're like okay we're halfway there mm -hmm. as opposed to like when you do a 50 you hit mile 25 and like okay yeah we're halfway there the so goal like, posts get changed yeah you change the the finish line yeah and then therefore mentally you have different expectations. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically the same answer for me. I think 2024 is going to be the year of the hundred miler. For yeah. Me. It's definitely not this year. Um, potentially the, the next year. Uh, it really depends. I honestly want to get, just get back to some heavier weight training. It's been a little while for me personally. So get a little more into that, get back to some heavier squats and deadlifts. I know you've been, we did a little deadlifts before the, yeah. uh, the race and so forth. So it's hard. It's hard to beat the lifting. Um, but yeah, I think again for me, it's more so just like spending a little bit more time building, building some yeah. endurance. I need like a longer base building period. Yeah, because yeah. Th this past one, I was a little nervous because I'm still just from that IT band injury, which I haven't had in over a year. I still, it just sticks in your head. You know, you mm -hmm. have injuries. It just still makes you nervous that hey, if I push a little too hard, this is gonna come up. But I'd need to build like you know sixty seventy mile weeks basically yeah. before I could try and do something like that. Yeah, and it it just takes time too. Yeah, like I mean I've been running for about five years, a little yeah. less than five years now, and so it's not a lot of time really. Yeah, to build up. I'm just three three years. Yeah, so it's it's just time more than anything, letting your body acclimate. Like each time yeah. I do one of these big events, like I feel light years better. I know it's only a fifty k compared to the fifty miler, but like. Yeah. I was wrecked. I didn't run for weeks after my 50 mile. Yeah. I feel like I could go run today if I had to. Yeah, I think you'll do better this year in the Bitcoin. It just sure. takes time to, to build up the base and yeah. let your body acclimate. Yeah, well, I enjoy this. We got to take you to the airport. Yeah. Uh, 
where where do you want people to find you at? Plug uh, your stuff. Yeah, let's do uh, Instagram. Just yeah. Jeremy Miller. Um, it's website. got weird. It's got weird stuff, but I'll put it. I'll put the username spelled out in the. Uh, yeah, if you there's a little dot before the, dot the R on Miller. Um, yeah, there's not many Jeremy Millers out there that create content. Surprisingly. Yeah. Very common name though. Uh, but then website is JeremyMiller.io. Um, YouTube is just at Jeremy Miller. So. Man's doing a lot of things. We're doing a lot of things. We're trying to figure it out. Exactly. Well, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, please share it. Obviously, follow Jeremy and uh, subscribe to the podcast if you want more stuff like this. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks for having me on.